But we're in a message series now, which I've entitled Walking with the Spirit, Walking with the Spirit. And in this series, we're looking at the Bible to see what it has to say about living life with the Holy Spirit. That's the way God intends for us to live our Christian lives. We are to walk with the Spirit. That means following the Spirit's leading, listening to His voice, and cooperating with Him. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, the Bible tells us. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus lives inside of us. That's not wrong to say, you know, I invite Jesus into my heart. It's, but really, Jesus is in heaven. He, he has a body. Jesus doesn't physically live inside your heart. The way Jesus lives in you is through his spirit. The spirit of Jesus is how he lives inside of us. And yet, many people, even believers, do not understand or know how to walk closely with the spirit. And so today, we're going to talk about desiring the spirit's gifts. We're going to, to gain a, a basic understanding of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he has for us. And to begin our discussion today, we're going to look at an important teaching by Jesus on the Holy Spirit. Now, in your bulletin, there's a white page. I'd encourage you to pull it out. The white page has the outline of the message and the verses written out, and you can take some notes. I'd encourage you to. You fill in the blanks, and that will keep you awake during the message. Maybe we'll check at the end to see if your blanks are filled out. So Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so Jesus is saying that if, if you, as we as human fathers, we give good gifts to our children, do we not? We try to give them things that are helpful, things that are beneficial, things that they're going to enjoy, things that they're going to use. If we're good fathers, we do not give our children bad gifts. We do not give our children dangerous gifts. And if human fathers do that, how much more will our heavenly father, the perfect father, give good gifts to his children? The example of a good gift that God gives is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says here that the father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. To those who ask him for the spirit, God gives the Holy Spirit. And so the first point we see in this passage is that we mustn't think that any of God's gifts are dangerous, that any of God's gifts are bad for us. Everything that God gives is a good gift, a gift that is useful, a gift that is essential. God is efficient. He doesn't give us gifts that are of no use. Everything that God gives to us, that God makes available for us, has a purpose, has a use. Now, suppose a human father wanted to give a wonderful gift to his child. And the child said, no, I don't want that gift. I'll just pass, Dad. Keep it to yourself. That would be kind of insulting, wouldn't it? To you as a father that your child didn't think anything of the gift that you had for him. It would be rude. It wouldn't be a wise thing to do. And in, in the same way as believers, we ought to seek to receive all the gifts that God has for us. Not say, hey, you know, I'll pass on that. I really don't think I need that gift. I don't really want that gift, Father. It's good for us to desire 
and seek and receive every good gift that God has for us. Now, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit in, in many churches today. The Bible teaches that every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them when they believe, when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when they're saved. But what Jesus is talking about in these verses we just read from Luke chapter 11 is a subsequent experience after salvation called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Spirit baptism is a gateway to a life of supernatural power for the believer. In the New Testament, talked about this whole thing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our class this morning downstairs. In the New Testament, every believer was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was, it was expected. It was a normative experience. In the same way, every believer in the New Testament was water baptized after they believed. It was a normative experience. It was expected. The apostles made sure that everyone who was a believer was water baptized and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. This morning we looked at an account from Acts chapter 9 where some believers were there and Paul came to them. And he asked them in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, Paul found some disciples and asked him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so here were some believers that Apostle Paul found, new believers. He asked them and he found out they had not experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had not received the Holy Spirit in that way. And what did Paul do about it? Well, he immediately prayed and they received the Spirit baptism. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And so Paul made sure that these new believers received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you notice in this incident, as well as all the incidents in the book of Acts, they all spoke in tongues, which was the initial physical evidence of Spirit baptism. Now, especially in America, many churches do not teach about spirit baptism, or they teach incorrectly that all believers are automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit. And yet here at Life Church, we're going to follow the Bible's authority. We're not going to follow church tradition. And so if you've been taught some things in the past that don't seem to agree with what we're teaching today, take a look at yourself at what the Bible says. And let's follow the Bible, not tradition. So let's learn a little more about the Holy Spirit and His gifts today. God offers believers the gift of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, and today, if you follow the church calendar, is called Pentecost Sunday. It's uh, Jesus was on earth, died, was crucified, rose from the dead, and stayed around for 40 days. Send it back into heaven, and ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit uh, came down in a new and special way. And so the church celebrates uh, Pentecost Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter preaching to a crowd of 3,000 people assembled. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so on this day of Pentecost, Peter instructed the people that were gathered there, who he told about Jesus. He told about what Jesus had done for them. He instructed them to do three things. 
three things that every person needs to do in their life. First, they must repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive their sins. Secondly, they must be water baptized as Jesus commanded. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, they need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so the promise that's spoken here, the gift, is the Spirit baptism. Now some teach that this promise was just for the apostles in their generation. But what does this verse say? It says the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. Circle that word all. It's for everybody. It's for every believer, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's for believers of all ages. It's for believers of all times down through the centuries. It's for us today. And so what is this promise? What is this gift of the Holy Spirit? What is it all about? Well, Jesus himself, the Bible teaches, is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. The apostle John, I mean, the, John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, he said, I would have not have known him, speaking of Jesus, except that the one who sent me, it's the Father, to baptize, told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. And so God the Father instructed John the Baptist to baptize Jesus in water. And when Jesus was baptized in water, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down like a dove and anointed him with power as he began his ministry. And so the apostle, I mean, John the Baptist says that Jesus himself is the baptizer. So Jesus is the one that baptizes the believer in the Holy Spirit. The believer is baptized or immersed into the Holy Spirit in a spiritual sense. And Jesus as the baptizer in the Spirit wants all of his children to receive this blessing. Now, does spirit baptism save you? Say, no. That's something that each believer needs to experience. Does water baptism save you? No. But they both are commanded by Jesus, and they're essential for spiritual growth and effectiveness. Now, what is the primary purpose of spirit baptism? Well, spirit baptism gives us power to witness, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Acts 1 verse 8 says, these are words of Jesus, the last instructions he gave to his followers before he ascended into heaven. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Speaking of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so in this verse, Jesus promises that his disciples, and that includes you and me, his disciples of all ages, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them, when they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the primary purpose for that power is to be witnesses for Jesus to be courageous, bold witnesses for Jesus to the very ends of the earth. And what happens after the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth and preached to every person that God wants to hear the gospel? What happens? Mission is accomplished and Jesus returns. So we're all on to be on mission with Jesus as his witnesses to spread the gospel to the very ends of the earth. And when our mission is accomplished, Jesus will come back again. 
And so that primary purpose, to be witnesses for Jesus, was not just for the apostles. It was not just for the 3,000 people uh, that were saved on the day of Pentecost. It's for every believer. And yet, many believers today live with a, a lack of power in their lives with respect to being witnesses. They find it difficult to talk to somebody about Jesus. They find it difficult to invite people uh, to become part of the family of God because they've not received the power of the Holy Spirit. This power to witness should impact every aspect of our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our church, in, our, in every aspect of our life. Spirit baptism actually gives us the power that Jesus had. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so everything that Jesus did was through the anointing, through the power of the Holy Spirit, moving through him. So already said, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus in water, the Holy Spirit came down from heaven, anointed him with power to fulfill his ministry. And Jesus did all kinds of supernatural things. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast demons out of people. How did he do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit operating in and through him. And that same power is available to Jesus' followers. That same power is available to you and me today. What Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone, are you an anyone? Okay, we're all anyone's. If anyone who has faith in me, so it's an anyone who has faith in Jesus. If you're a believer today, you have faith in Jesus. If anyone who has faith in me, or anyone who has faith in me, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Immediately after these verses in John 14, we don't have time to read it all, but Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit. And we see from the book of Acts chapter 2, when Jesus ascended to the Father, what did he do? He poured out of the Spirit. He began to pour out of the Holy Spirit to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And we see that was not completed on the day of Pentecost. It continued throughout the book of Acts. So this pouring out of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did on the day of Pentecost continues to this day. And we'll read a verse about that in a minute. And so the Holy Spirit was only released in this anointing power, in this baptism of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended to heaven, went to the Father, and he poured it out uh, on all the believers there, and that continues to this day. So let's summarize what we've talked about, what we've learned so far today. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to wait. Don't do anything. Don't pass go. Don't do anything until you receive this power. Because without this power, you won't be able to do what I've asked you to do. You won't be able to be witnesses for me. You're going to fail miserably without this power. So wait for this power. And so the bat, they waited. And on the day of Pentecost, they waited, they prayed, that power came. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit gives power to be Jesus' witnesses, to continue the work that Jesus did in his ministry, to continue that work to the ends of the earth until Jesus returns. 
It absolutely makes no sense uh, to believe that the power was there, the initial founding stages of this church, and now no longer exists. God is the same. The Holy Spirit is the same. Jesus still baptizes in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is still operating in the earth today. And so this promise, this promise of the gift of the Spirit was not restricted to the early church. It was intended as primary equipping for believers of all ages, of all times. And so God's plan, God's purpose for every believer is, first of all, well, first of all, to believe, to be a believer. Secondly, to be water baptized. And thirdly, to be spirit baptized, to be fully equipped to carry out their mission for life. Spirit baptism is also the gateway through which all the other supernatural gifts of the Spirit are released in your life. And we won't have time to talk about those this morning, but they're very important as well. You know, for reasons that aren't entirely clear to me, the church in America has neglected or taught against this clear biblical truth. And the result is that the church in America is not growing. The church in America is not making a dynamic impact for Jesus Christ. Things seem to be going backwards in America. Does anybody agree with me? Rather than going forward. And I believe a great responsibility for that is the church not operating in the power of the Spirit. On the other hand, the church in Africa, we have people from Africa in our fellowship, told me, and I've heard from missionaries, has embraced spirit baptism, has embraced the power of the Spirit. I mean, it's pretty unthinkable in Africa now for a Christian not to have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and be operating in the power of the Spirit. And the church in Africa is exploding. It's growing at an amazing pace. You're not going to read about it in your newspapers or on the Internet, but the church in Africa is doing wonderful, wonderful things. The kingdom of God is expanding in Africa in, at a very rapid pace. And this is true in many other countries of the world. There are hundreds of millions of spirit-baptized believers across this globe. The Assemblies of God, which we are part of, is the largest spirit-filled denomination. In the United States, it has about 3 million people. Around the world, it has 70 million. So there's far more people within our fellowship around the world where the gospel is just exploding as our missionaries go forth to tell people about Jesus Christ. And so God wants the church here in America. He hasn't forgot about, forgotten about us. He wants the church in America here to catch up and receive the power of the Spirit and make a difference for Jesus Christ here as bold, courageous witnesses. So how do, we receive, how do you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Remember, three things that Peter commanded the crowd on the day of Pentecost that were necessary. Number one, they needed to repent and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Number two, they needed to be water baptized. And number three, after they were saved. Number three, they needed to be spirit baptized. And these three things, they're available to every person on this planet. Nobody is accepted. If you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ, God isn't going to say, no, I don't think I'm going to save you. You're going to be saved. That's what the Bible says. When you want to be water baptized, you can be. God will make a way for that to happen. And when you ask to be spirit baptized, Jesus is ready to do it. He wants you to be spirit baptized. He says, no, I think I'm going to make you wait for 20 years before I do it. No, he wants you to be spirit baptized. And all of these things are done in faith. 
And so what part do we play in receiving spirit baptism? Well, first of all, you need to desire the gift of the Spirit. Acts 1, 4, and 5. These are Jesus' last instructions before he ascended into heaven to his followers. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Was this a suggestion? No, it was a command. This is what he told them to do. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so his disciples weren't to do anything. They weren't to start on their mission. They weren't to travel. They were to wait for the Father's gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what did, his, what did Jesus' followers do? They say, no, Jesus, we're fine. We've got it. We don't need anything else. We're just going to go do whatever we think we should do. We really don't need this. No, that would have been unthinkable. Here, their Lord, their Savior, the one who had died for them, the one who rose from the dead, who was standing before them, gave them a command, and they were going to follow his command. And so they waited. They went to an upper room, and they began to pray together. Scripture tells us there was about 120, so it was far more than just the 11 plus the new apostle that was appointed. And they prayed, and they waited until the Holy Spirit came, until they were baptized in the Spirit. And so they had a desire to receive the gift that the Father had for them. They had a desire to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. They hungered after it. They sought after it for 10 days without ceasing until the Spirit came. And so sometimes people say, well, if God wants me to have this experience, he's just going to have to do it. You know, and if he does it, yeah, I guess it'll be fine. Well, that won't cut it. God wants you to have it. We're reading here that God commanded it of his disciples. God wants you to receive it. It's up to us to, to desire what God has for us. There's something amiss with a believer who doesn't desire everything that God has for them. We need to desire, earnestly desire, the scripture says, what God has for us. And then secondly, ask Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit. In Peter's message in Acts 2, verse 17, 18, he quotes a prophecy from the Old Testament from the prophet Joel. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on some people. He says, all people. Oh, I get it wrong there. It's all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, these verses are Peter's explanation of, of what was happening. These believers were, on the day of Pentecost, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, and everybody said, what is going on? Some people thought they were drunk because they didn't know what they were saying. They were speaking words that didn't make sense to many people, or the people that were speaking didn't know what they were saying. And Peter says, this is what's going on. The prophet Joel prophesied hundreds of years before that God was going to pour out his spirit on all people, and now it had begun for the very first time. 
It says in the last days. When are the last days? The last days are the time the Bible teaches from when Jesus ascended to heaven until when he returns again. So are we living in the last days? Yes, we are. We're living in the last days. And in that period of the last days, from when Jesus ascended to heaven, 10 days later, day of Pentecost, until now, until Jesus returns again, God is pouring out his spirit on all people, on all people who are seeking after him. And so during these last days, all of Jesus' servants, what does a servant do when their master commands them to do something? They obey. So servants who are obeying Jesus are receiving the outpouring of the Spirit. All of Jesus' servants have the opportunity to be baptized with the Spirit. And one of the signs, or one of the signs the Spirit has been poured out is that, is that people would prophesy. When they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they prophesy. Now what kind of people are the Spirit being poured out on? It says all people, it says sons, daughters, men, women. And so it's for everyone. Children, women, men, adults, everybody is eligible to receive the gift of the Spirit. Jesus said himself in the very first verse that we talked about today, Luke chapter 11, that God will give the Holy Spirit to who? To those who ask. In other parts of Scripture, says you have not because you ask not. We need to ask for the gifts that God has for us. And so we desire the gift of the Spirit. We ask Jesus to baptize us in the Spirit. And then we begin to speak in tongues. Acts 2 verse 4, what happened on the day of Pentecost and happened throughout the book of Acts and all the occasions recorded there. It says all of them, all of the disciples who are praying, desiring, asking God to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So throughout the book of Acts, the one consistent initial physical evidence that someone had been baptized in the Holy Spirit was that they spoke in tongues. Now what is that? Well, speaking in tongues is simply speaking in a language you do not know. So what language am I speaking in now? English. And I understand what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues would be if I surrendered my tongue to the Spirit and I spoke in a language that I did not understand. And so that's what happens in speaking in tongues. You surrender your tongue to the Spirit and the Spirit begins to pray through you in a language you've never learned. Now, a lot of people don't understand. It's like, why would I want to do that? You know, why would I want to speak in a language I don't understand? It seems a fruitless exercise to me. Why, why would I want to do that? Well, we don't have time to go into that in great detail, but let's look at this misunderstood verse. Romans 8, verse 26, which really, uh, God has really opened up to me lately what this really means. And um, the best scholars agree. Now, in the same way, it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. In other words, with with sounds, groans that are not in a language that you understand, not words in the language you understand. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. 
And so this verse is talking about what happens when you pray in tongues. When, have you ever had a time in your life when you knew you needed to pray about something, but you didn't know what God's will was for the situation? Every day, okay? Like for me, it's like every day. I know this isn't right. I know something needs to happen. Or I, I don't really know what your will is. I mean, maybe I, I think I do, but I'm not 100% sure. It happens a lot. And that's a weakness, isn't it? We don't know. We, we just don't know how to pray sometimes. And so we say, Lord, you know, do something. I... And I was at a prayer, prayed with great faith, prayed with great fervor. But we just don't know. It's our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. I identify with that. But when we pray in tongues, the Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit prays through us a prayer, it says, that's in accordance with God's will. You know what that means? That means when the Spirit prays through you, He's praying a perfect prayer. A prayer in perfect keeping with the will of God. We don't have time to look, but in 1 John it tells us, if we pray according to God's will, God hears us, and if he hears us, we have the answer we prayed for. And so when you pray in tongues, you're praying in perfect keeping with the will of God. You're praying a perfect prayer, and that prayer is going to be answered. Isn't that wonderful? That's phenomenal. And so when we pray a prayer that's in keeping with God's will, that prayer is going to be answered. And so when you pray in tongues or in the Spirit, powerful, powerful things happen. Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, when we pray in tongues, we edify or build ourselves up spiritually. That's a good thing. Apostle Paul himself said he prays in tongues more than everybody else. Now, why would a great apostle do something that was of no use? More than anybody else, he did. And so when you pray in tongues, you're not in a trance. Uh, you're not whacked out. I mean, you're just simply obeying God. You're in complete control as you pray in tongues under the guidance of the Spirit. In my experience, when I was in college a few years ago, um, I, was, uh, I was a good Baptist. Okay? My, my father was a Baptist minister, and I was a good Baptist. I was saved at age four. I was water baptized at age nine. But as Baptists, we had no use for spiritual gifts. Um, they were something that happened way back then, and they really had, you know, we read, read about them. We believed they happened in the past, but we didn't believe that any of that stuff happened today. We, we really didn't need that. In fact, the rumor was that speaking in tongues was of the devil today. Somehow it was of God back then, but now it was of the devil. And you, you just didn't want to get too close to people who talked about that or did that. Well, when I was in college, I was leading a Bible study group, and one of my friends in the group, uh, on vacation, they went to a church that wasn't a Baptist church, and that was a spiritual church, a church that, that taught from the book of Acts about being baptized in the Spirit. And she went to that church, and she was a good Baptist girl. Uh, she went to that church, and lo and behold, she prayed, and she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she came back to our Bible study group, 
And I don't know how to explain it, but she was different in a good way. Uh, she was just full of joy. She began to witness to everybody. She had a greater love for the Word of God. She taught it in a way that was, she was actually one of the leaders that was uh, different. She was bold in witness. And I, I said, whatever she's got, I want. There was something different about her. And I said, I need what this girl had. And so to make a long story short, I opened my Bible and I began to read. I said, you know, is this true or not? Is this in the Bible or not? And I studied the book of Acts. I studied the teaching of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians, the Jesus teaching on the Holy Spirit. I went through the whole thing. And it became clear to me that I was missing out. It was in there. And it was for today. And so I asked some friends. That took a period of several months as I studied through this and wrestled with my tradition. And my, my father was the pastor. And he didn't believe any of this stuff. And wrestled with that. I finally became convinced it was true. And so one day I asked my friends, including this girl who had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, to say, okay, I'm going to do it now. I mean, it was like, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm going to fast, I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask for this to happen, and for whatever reason, I didn't want anybody else around. Okay? <laughs> now, this happens in different ways with different people, this is just my story. I got alone, in fact, for, I don't remember why it was, but nobody was in our house, so it was all, just me. And I prayed, I asked Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, and lo and behold, I sensed the Spirit come on me, and I started to speak in a language I didn't know. And I was, I was overwhelmed. For me, it was an emotional experience. It's not for everybody, okay? It's not a huge... For me, it was, it was quite an emotional experience. I mean, I wasn't out of my head. I wasn't crazy. I was just speaking in a language, and I knew I, knew I was doing it, but I knew it wasn't me. And it's this mysterious interaction between God and me, and I've never looked back. Uh, I speak in tongues every day. It's been a wonderful blessing. God speaks to me when I speak in tongues, gives me ideas, um, things that just come into my head, things happen, and uh, I need to do it even more. Uh, and it's been a wonderful time. And I don't believe this church would exist if I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit back then in college. Now recently, somebody in the church, in this church, had been told me they'd been praying to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it just wasn't happening. They pray and, and, you know, God, please baptize me in the Holy Spirit and wait and expecting something to happen and nothing happened. And when I talked to them, I realized they really were expecting God to just come upon them and and involuntarily just forced them to speak in tongues. That something very unusual was going to happen. And so we went through the book of Acts. And we saw that it's a cooperation. It says in Acts that they began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. Now that's, that's there's something there. They began to speak. Who began to speak? No, they began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. And so the Spirit gives you sounds, the Spirit gives you words, but it's not English, and you begin to speak. You have to begin to speak in faith. And so as I shared that with the person, 
And then I laid my hands on them as apostles did and prayed for them. Lo and behold, they began to speak in tongues. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so it happens today. It happens all the time for those who desire to be baptized in the Spirit, who ask and who surrender their tongue to the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 commands believers to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's a command of God to earnestly desire. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gateway to all the other gifts of the Spirit, which we don't have time to talk about this morning. Simply desire, ask in faith, and receive the gift of Spirit baptism. And so today, talked about Spirit baptism. It's the promise of the Father. It's a gift of God. It's a good gift. It's a wonderful gift. It's a useful gift. It will advance you in the things of God. And where, wherever you're at today, I'm not saying you're nowhere, wherever you're at today, it's going to advance you in the things of God. It's going to give you courage to witness, to be a witness for Jesus in every aspect of life. Jesus himself is a baptizer in the Spirit. And so when you're baptized in the Spirit, you get closer to Jesus as he anoints you, and it gives you the power. And so God wants every person, man, woman, children, Children can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If they can be saved, they can be water baptized, they can be baptized in the Holy Spirit as well and receive that blessing. Now, some people receive spirit baptism on their own, like I did. Other people receive it when somebody else prays for them and lays their hands on them. It can happen both, both ways. And so I encourage you to, if you haven't been doing it, to begin to seek for this blessing from God. If you have been seeking the blessing, but it hasn't happened yet, read over these scriptures. And let your faith grow until you can receive that blessing in faith. And so at the end of the service, I'll be available for prayer for anybody who wants to pray with me to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've already received, I encourage you to pray in the Spirit, to pray in tongues on a daily basis. Some people Pray in tongues once, say, well, I've got it now. And they never make use of the gift that God has given them. And so it's not something for one time. It's something to be used each and every day, praying in the Spirit. In fact, I haven't prepared the teaching yet, but I believe we'll be talking more about the benefits and how to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues at our prayer and praise night this Wednesday night. Also on our brochure table over there on my left, there's a pamphlet called The Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'd encourage you, if you've never picked one of those up, because if everybody picks one up, we'll probably run out, but that's okay. We'll get some more. Uh, it has 20 questions, common questions that people have about it, and it gives a scriptural answer. And if you have questions about it, you're, uh, I'd encourage you to pick one up. So being baptized in the Holy Spirit is for believers only, and uh, it's for those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. It's for those who have admitted that they've sinned, and they have put their faith and trust, they've believed in Jesus Christ, and committed their lives to following Him as their Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask us to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. Uh, first of all, for any that may not have committed their lives to Jesus in the past, or who feel like they've strayed from their commitment. They might want to rededicate their lives this morning. Father, today, pray along with me in your own minds. Father, today, uh, we admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things. But today, we make a decision of our will to put our 
faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Forgive our sins. Come into our lives. We commit ourselves to following you each and every day. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well that God would take us into the new things that he has for us. God, we thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, God, for not seeking more of the Spirit's power in our lives, for living our lives on a level that's beneath what you have for us. And so this morning, God, we ask that those who have not yet received spirit baptism, that they would have this desire from you for it, that you would make that desire to begin to burn hotter, God, that they would have a desire for your power in their lives, that they would ask for it, and that they would receive it. And for those who have been baptized in the Spirit sometime in the past, but perhaps have let that gift languish God, we pray that they would daily put into practice this gift of praying in the Spirit, of praying in tongues, that they would daily be filled with the Spirit anew. And God, we pray that we would earnestly desire to be used in other spiritual gifts. For what? Not for us, God, so that other people could be reached for Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you would help us as a church not to just to be a friendly bunch of people getting together, but that everyone who comes here would experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, that there would be something different here. It's not just a bunch of people, but God is present among us. The Holy Spirit is moving and operating among us, God. We pray for that in a greater dimension as we continue to seek, ask, and receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.